Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! We are now addressed by the living Lord through his living word. Psalm 16. A miktam of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us here in these spaces this morning. Give us your Holy Spirit to understand this, the very word of God, and bring us, Lord, by that Spirit, the one that resurrected Jesus from the dead, into the presence of Jesus, the resurrected one, that we would know his life and grace and welcome and mercy. Father, for our good and for your glory, be with us now, we pray, Jesus, in your name and for your sake. Amen. You may be seated. Every season is its own thing. Every season has its own rhythms, its own activities, its own artifacts, including summer. Let's talk about summer here for a moment. When it's summertime, kind of like now, what will we begin doing? What will we begin consuming? What will we begin to pursue? So lots of different things. What are we going to do? Well, maybe if we have a little bit of time, we'll go down the shore. Maybe we'll grill out a little bit. How many of you have actually eaten a piece of food barbecued over the past couple of weeks or will do so within the next couple of weeks? Probably a fair number of us, right? We'll grill. We'll stay outside a little bit later, maybe backyard or otherwise. When the light begins to get a little bit soft and the fireflies come out, Maybe we'll take some trips if we're able. We'll reconnect with some folks, some friends, some family. Maybe we'll take up a couple of projects that we just haven't gotten to throughout the regular school year, but now is the time when we're going to do it. We're going to catch up. Or maybe for you, summer is just one of those times to be lazy, to just relax a little bit more. And so we'll have some swimming pools, and some hammocks slung between a couple of trees or tree branches. 
and we just relax a little bit more. What do we consume during the summer? What do we read? Is it beach reading? Or is it 19th century Russian novels for the summer? And if you're more in the direction of Rum Runners and Raskolnikov for the summer, more power to you. But probably the majority report is something light, something breezy, a mystery, a romance, a thriller, just something fun as you flip the pages through your own summer. How about songs? What kinds of songs of summer that have you experienced over the years for yourself? I've said before in sermons, my all-time favorite summer song, no, I wasn't alive then, but at least in retrospect, 1969, Sly and the Family Stone, Hot Fun in the Summertime, what a classic. Or closer to home for me, I grew up in the early 90s, well, I was bored before that, but high school was the early 90s for me in New Orleans, and the song of summer, oop, I just dropped my sermon sheet. I'm back. So the song of summer for me at that point in New Orleans, and this was actually for multiple summers, not a New Orleans song, but how many of you know Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers? Came out in the early 90s. And summer after summer in New Orleans, public swimming pools, playing tennis, people's backyards, car radios, boom boxes. It was Under the Bridge, which is still a poppy song, but it slowed down minor key-ish, and under the bridge fit perfectly during those long, hot, languid New Orleans summers. Or say you're at the pool, and the humidity is so thick that it's visible. And it's so humid that the border between the swimming pool water and the air above becomes a little porous. As that was happening, we were listening to under the bridge all summer long. What do we consume? What do we drink? Tall glass of iced tea. An ice cold lemonade. If you Google summer cocktails, there's a cottage industry of them that pop up. Maybe a mint julep, or a mojito, or a paloma, or a summer cerveza of one kind or another. There's a Hefeweizen, there's a Saison, there's a golden ale. Last summer I was at a barbecue and there was a guy there that I knew a little bit but not very well. He had a glass glass of what looked to be super, super opaquely dark beer. And I was like, dude, what are you, what are you drinking there? And he said, I drink stouts year long. That's a super, super dark beer. And I said, oh. And internally what was going on is I was saying to this guy, what you're saying is that you drink stouts year-round, but what I'm hearing is that you're an incredibly depressed person who needs to seek professional help as soon as possible. What do we eat during summer? A little bit all over the place. Sometimes meaty, sometimes fruity, maybe some combination of hot dogs and watermelons, because summer has its own rhythm. What are we pursuing? What's the thread in all of those different sorts of things when it comes to summertime rhythms? What are we looking for? What are we after? Here's my one-word summary for it. Refreshment. That's what we're looking for in summertime. Refreshment. The school year is long. Whether you're a student or the parent of a student or not, 
insofar as our rhythms and lives here as Americans are tied to the school calendar one way or another. It's been a long year, and we need a break. We want to refresh. We want to recharge. Bottle up as much sunlight as we can, and then sip from it as the days get shorter again to have as much refreshment as possible. And thus would it be for us as we engage in a summer of songs to find refreshment. For the past two years here at Liberty Collingswood during the school years, we've mostly been going through the book of Genesis. Two years, halfway only through the book. Genesis chapter 25. I'm pleased with how all of those sermons are going. But it's time for a summer playlist. It's time for some summer songs. And let's do it here in the songs. And whether it's the Psalter in general, or specifically here with Psalm 16, would we find refreshment here, and isn't that what we need? So two parts from here for the rest of the sermon. Let's talk about what we pursue, and then also what we receive. So what we pursue, and then also what we receive, and we have two sets of three in both cases. So what we pursue, what should we be after as we seek to be refreshed in Jesus? Let's go after security, community, and worship. So Psalm 16, a miktam, which is a form of a psalm of David. Not just anybody wrote this psalm, but David did specifically. If you know a little bit about David, actually in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, the Old Testament historical books, he was a king, he was a shepherd, he was also a musician, a songwriter. And these are summer songs. You may or you may not know, but... For virtually all Jewish traditions and many Christian ones, psalms are not just read, but psalms are sung. So truly, if you do psalms during the summer, this is a summer playlist. And it makes so much sense that the psalms be sung, because what happens when you sing? It takes you to a place that you might not otherwise be. But it's the music, it's the singing that gets you there. That's why I love live music. Going to see this Wednesday, I think, Samantha Fish, a blues artist and guitarist. Free show here in Camden County. Let me know if you want to come. But most of all, I love singing on Sunday mornings with all of you at Liberty Collingswood. It's not just any concert. It's not a concert. It's a worship service where the Holy Spirit is in our midst to bring us not only individually, but together into the presence and worship of the living Lord. It takes us there. It takes us to him. And as we sing this song, to get there, we pursue, including God's security. So the beginning of the psalm, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Refuge, shelter, protection. And understand as well, maybe some of you have realized this, maybe not. When David speaks to the Lord as his refuge, as his security... He means it in a literal sense. If you know even a little bit about the life of David, he was pretty constantly on the run and at risk of losing his life. He was at risk of bodily harm. So when David says, God, you are my refuge, he means very, very literally, physically, bodily, God, I need your shelter, I need your protection. And second nature to us, for many of us here in the West, when we think about God as refuge, even from a verse like this, we spiritualize it and say, God, when I ask you to be my shelter, I mean emotionally or I mean with my spiritual self or my wellness self. 
That's not, ultimately speaking, what David is talking about here. But, take heart, we can derive that. This is a great opportunity for an argument from the greater to the lesser. If David can pray and sing to God with confidence that God, the living God, the living Lord, can be his physical protector and refuge and shelter, how much more for us internally? And that's what we can pray. Whether it's external criticism or manipulation or harsh words or deceit, whatever it is, pursue God, would I find security and refuge in you? And we can move there through verse 2. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. This summer, we're going to have a lot of different experiences, individually, together, family, friends, whatever it is. We're going to have some good experiences. We're going to have some not-so-good experiences. Every season is like that. Why would this summer, 2023, be any different? Would verse 2, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. Would this be one of the refrains, one of the choruses to your summer playlist, to your summer songs? When good things happen. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. When bad things happen, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good thing apart from you. And I love that sentiment because, at least to me, especially in the context of David seeking refuge, there is a tacit admission, perhaps, of what might be lacking in our lives, but then an explicit, bold affirmation that for whatever we have or whatever we don't, God is our ultimate good. And if you have God, you have good eternally. And there's going to be uncertainties this summer, one way or another. Maybe you're facing financial uncertainty. Maybe you're facing job uncertainty. Maybe you're facing stress uncertainty. How am I going to get all this stuff done? Whatever it is. Maybe it's health uncertainty. No matter what it is, we can say to our Lord, you are our Lord. We have Apart from you, no good at all. And here's one of the great things about grace. You don't have to be already 100% full of faith to seek security in God. In fact, saying, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. This is why grace is grace. Even when our faith is partial and fumbling and not completely there, Pleading that God would be your good is part of what gets you there in the first place with your fumbling, faltering faith. Oftentimes, that's exactly all I've got. Or if you're not even sure where you are with spiritual realities, or if you're in the midst of taking a couple steps forward or a couple steps back, let this be an on-ramp. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And see if you don't learn more of the security of our triune God in those spaces and in those moments. And also community, verse 3. What do we pursue? Community. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Part of God's plan for us finding refuge in him is each other. We're part of that bulwark. We're part of the, 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 the ropes that strengthen us, the ties that bind. 
Brothers and sisters, we need each other so that we can truly find the refuge of God, which, yes, is hard work. David is saying here, saints of the land, brothers and sisters in the Lord, they're my delight. How many of you naturally find other people delightful? Raise your hand. I'm not raising my hand. Because people are hard. And it actually takes work and discipline to delight in other people because my pride too often gets in the way. So community, it's one of our core values, is actually something to pursue, strive towards, work through our issues about. In my not-so-good days, I struggle with people. In my really bad days, famously, the French existentialist Jean-Paul Sartre at the end of his play, No Exit, do you remember what one of the last lines are? Hell is other people. On my bad days, that's my love language. But Jesus is gracious to take me out of my own selfish pride, to give me a new heart as I seek him. And I have prayed, and you should pray, would it be true of me as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. At the beginning of pandemic, one of the books we worked through here on Sunday mornings was a book by Rusty George, a pastor in California called Better Together. Here's a quote from him, reflection quote, and I say every time when I quote Rusty George with a name like that, how is he a pastor in California as opposed to an SEC football coach? I don't know. Maybe he's both, but this is what Rusty George says. Ever notice how your thoughts are consumed with you? Hey, wait a second. You are the star of your own movie. So it only makes sense that everyone else should see themselves as supporting actors in your film, right? When your friend suggests a place to eat, your first thought is, do I like that place? And if you don't, go, and if you don't like that place, you don't go. When neighbors invite us over, my only criteria is, do I want to go? Not would it, but would it be a good idea to get to know them better, but just rather, I don't feel like going right now. All of us are trapped in a self-imposed prison of isolation while we complain about being alone. But the door is locked from the inside. Summertime is a great time to build and make connections. That's why we have these summer meetups. I would say take advantage of some of those things. If you're somebody who's been at a Liberty Collingswood for a while and you're content and happy with the friends that you have here, that's great. Keep pushing, build more. Don't just settle for the friends and relationships you already have. If you're relatively new at Liberty Collingswood and would love to get to know more people, you have pastoral permission to stick your fat right hand out in front of other people and say, I am so-and-so. I would love to get to know you. Can we hang out sometime? Can we build some more connections? That's what it's all about. And remember, too, that some of the best connections that you can ever make are going to be with people who are not like you. I was at the Juneteenth celebration here in Collingswood. Yesterday, it was a great time. Build relationships and friendships with people that don't share your background, that don't share your ethnicity, that don't share your interests. To have a different kind of friendship, and those are some of the friendships that please the Lord the most. So go against type. If we're in this tribal area of, I'm only going to associate with people that think like me, that look like me, the Church of Jesus Christ calls us to something different as we pursue community. And then also worship. We see it in photo negative in verse 4. Idolatry. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. 
Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. I'm not going to give myself, my heart, my body over to these things that are brand X, not the one true God in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to worship money. I'm not going to worship my job. I'm not going to worship this relationship. I'm not going to worship having this stuff because it's just going to take from me and malform me. And I'm going to start looking like that thing. God, keep me from worshiping in that direction, that I would worship you instead. And one of the downsides of summer is that summer can feed idolatry of self, where finally it's treat myself time, when I can be for me. Do you have that voice in the back of your head? I do so much stuff for other people. When am I going to get stuff for me? When am I going to get some me time? And then you're like, hello, Summer. You're looking great right now. And so Summer is all about my time and my break and my body. That's idolatry. Instead, find in Jesus Christ the proper place to put your passion and your gratitude. For every good experience you have this summer, it's a thank you, Jesus moment. In summer, we'll spend a lot of resources just to go and sit and look at beautiful things. If we can manage it, a lake, a pool, an ocean, a mountain, where we're going to do nothing except stare. Don't interrupt me. Lord, thank you for this beauty. Thank you for the author of this creation. In your moments of rest, pursue worship of God. Also do it publicly. That's probably the case, not exceptionless, but rough reasoning here about approximating. If summer means I'm worshiping less with God's people on Sunday morning, that's not going to be a summer of great spiritual growth for you. So make it a point to worship together. That's where we unite our voices and we unite our hearts to sing these songs, to pray these prayers as one, as one body as we grow. So what we pursue, let's pursue God's security and community and worship, but then also what we receive. What do you know? Also three things. We receive God's stability. We also receive God's joy and also resurrection. So God's stability. Let's keep going. Verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel, and the night also my heart instructs me. Stability. God would love to give you more of that. How many of us would say, I'm already too stable, it's so boring. Instead, hey, I could use more of that in my life. I could use more sanity. Let God instruct you, and this whole image of God instructing you at night does that mean David was in the scriptures? Does that mean that the Holy Spirit was drawing David closer into his presence in the night? But we can flip it this way. What happens when you wake up in the middle of the night and your mind and pulse and heart are racing? What are you doing in those moments? We're obsessing. We're worrying. Self-hatred. Others' hatred. Revenge fantasies. A pastor once gave the advice, including to me, Flip it around. Pray in the middle of the night. And this pastor said, some of my best prayer times ever start when I'm awake and nervous in the middle of the night. Because I say, Lord, I'm awake anyway, and you never sleep. So this would be a great time to pray. Because I'm revved up anyway. 
and seek the stability of the Lord in those moments and see if he doesn't meet you. Let your own racing pulse, heart, and mind in the quiet spaces be its own flag to you. Would you notice and say, this is actually a great time for me to seek the Lord's face because I'm already activated and I need the Lord to be active in my mind and heart in these spaces. Can we grow in this way? Returning to singleness of mind, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Single-mindedness is a theme throughout this psalm. You can see it in so many different ways in so many of these different verses. I have set the Lord always before me. And then we receive stability. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Probably a military image there. And David, among other things, was also a general and a warrior. So you have your, your compadre, your partner in the foxhole at your right hand. Or end of verse 9, my flesh also dwells secure. It's not a vicious circle, but it's a virtuous one. We pursue security in the Lord, and we receive his stability. We pursue security in the Lord, and we receive his stability. And also joy. Therefore, my heart is glad, verse 9, and my whole being rejoices. Or verse 11, this is probably the most famous verse of the psalm, or maybe second. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love that phrase, pleasures forevermore. I learned it in a different version originally. Eternal pleasures at God's right hand. You can put it this way. Christianity is more than just a feeling. The gospel of Jesus Christ as we receive it is more than just a feeling, but it's not less. It's more than just a feeling, but it's not less than something that we can feel and experience in our lives. And here's a counterexample. Oftentimes when I hear that marriages, for example, are distressed, I'll hear husband or wife say, yeah, we're actually not in a great spot right now. And similarities between distressed marriages, one of the common themes is I f husband or wife will say, I feel like we're just roommates. We're not loving each other. We're not serving one another. We're just coexisting in the same space. We're, at best, administrative partners trying to keep things running. We're just going through the motions. And you know what? We can also do that with church, can't we? We can also do that with Jesus. But when we're in a phase of only going through the motions, that is not eternal pleasures at God's right hand. There is more for us to receive. There is more for us to press into. And you can plead with God. Let this be a point of, in a reverent way, testing God. God, you say that eternal pleasures are at your right hand? Would I know that more? I don't fully experience that in my life right now. God, would you be real, the God that you have promised to be to me? And there's a distinction to be made here. Same word in English, but two different meanings. There is a difference between recreation and recreation. Spelled the same way. There's a difference between mere recreation and deep recreation in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The former is easier, but the latter is better. Would we receive both this summer? Some recreation, 
some rest. We need a break. But if it's only letting ourselves go on the beach without parking on a verse like Psalm 1611 and saying, eternal pleasures at your right hand, God, would I know this more? And the testimony of the saints around the world and throughout the ages is that it's worth it. It's worth it to say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. To pursue the eternal pleasures at the right hand of God in such a way that you're saying no to other pleasures. No to other pleasures that are good in themselves, but they're becoming too big in your lives. Or pleasures that you should, both this time and every time, just say, no, I'm going to let that go. It's worth it to pursue this set of pleasures because truly they're eternal. And insofar as we have a little more space and a little more bandwidth this summer, now is the time to invest. Bottling up not just sunlight in a bottle, but the goodness of eternal God. Invest now, recreate now by God's Spirit, replenish now as things get busy again. And we start again to be drained. Do you want to know one of the best buffers against things like anxiety and distress and floating and anger and discouragement and displacement emotionally? Joy in Jesus. Joy in Jesus. Would we know that? And if it feels impossible, eternal pleasures at God's right hand, sounds like something in the Bible, not a shocker, but I'm just never going to get there. God has even more grace for you than that in resurrection. As the New Testament reflects upon this psalm, I said maybe verse 11 at the very end, eternal pleasures at your right hand, might be the most famous verse in the psalm. As far as most quoted and most reflected upon verse in Psalm 16, it's actually verse 10. And the way that the New Testament reflects on verse 10 is saying it's even better than David imagined. And David wasn't really even talking about himself in verse 10, but something more. Verse 10 in itself says, David prays to God, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. One of the key passages in the first sermon ever preached in the history of the Christian church, Peter at Pentecost. We had Pentecost Sunday a couple of weeks ago at the end of May. Peter quotes this psalm at length and says, hey, David wasn't talking about David there. David was talking about David's greater son, Jesus Christ. And this is where we're wrapping up the sermon, but give me your attention for just a moment more as I read to you from Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pans of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and this is the quote from Psalm 16, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced, my flesh will also dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. There's verse 10. And then the end of the song. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Then Peter goes on to say, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, David, a king, a shepherd, a musician, a warrior, a prophet. 
being therefore a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he, the Christ, was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh, Jesus, see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. That's why there can be eternal pleasures at God's right hand for us, because Jesus is eternally resurrected and gives us grace and mercy, and on the cross has already conquered sin, so that when we are out of tune with the gospel song, when we disobey God's law, when we sin, when we fall short, Jesus says, hey, let me take care of that for you so that you could be considered clean forever. And let me conquer death. Just as I did not see corruption or go to hell, go to Hades, let me share that with you, eternal life, so that sin and death and even the evil one cannot touch you eternally. Would we press into this summer and receive this Christ? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.